It's another Sunday night in comedy, and yes, we're still in quarantine, but tonight we're doing something a little bit different. We're kicking it old school with a wide-open panel and talking about some of the most current and controversial things happening in comedy right now. It's the Comedy Roundup. I'm Dean Young, and we're about to go Inside the Joke. Welcome to Inside Jokes on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to another Inside Jokes right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto and of course coast to coast Canada wide on the Global News Radio network. And on the line, of course, we are still in quarantine. We're still doing the show remotely. But we're sort of going back to the old, good old pre-COVID days of having a roundtable in the studio. That is the format that this show was born in. And this week, there's a lot going on in the comedy world to talk about, even despite the shutdown. We've got Vince Tedesco, our producer on the line. How you doing, buddy? Woohoo! Back to old school ways. I'm doing good, buddy. So it's sort of, I mean, yeah, every every week during this whole 12 years of COVID or however long we were in this at this point, you know, everybody's had something to plug, even though festivals were on pause and shows are on pause, but people are dropping new albums and podcasts and new specials and all this stuff. So everybody's got something to plug, but I kind of, you know, we kind of miss the, 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 the way the show normally runs when we're in the studio and it's an open panel and we're just sort of taking apart what's going on in the world of comedy and what's happening in the news. And there's a few things going on this week to tackle. Of course, we've got Bill Burr, stirred up some controversy with his SNL monologue, which, I mean, if you watch the monologue, that's exactly what he kind of <laughs> knew would happen. Uh, but we're going to get into that. He, he knew what he, I mean, it's Bill Burr, he knew what he was there to do. And it is such, it is so funny, the reflection of the times we are living in. So we'll definitely get into that. Uh, we've got festivals going digital. Shit's Creek, a Canadian show that is absolutely blowing up stateside in a way I don't think we've ever really seen before, or at least not in a long time. So anyways, uh, we've got a couple of good comics on the panel today. We've got Tyler Morrison and out in the West Coast, Kathleen McGee joining us. There's lots to get into this week, Vince. Let's get rolling. Welcome back to Inside Jokes right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Brought to you, of course, by our good friends at Hakeem Optical helping you socially distance more clearly. We've got a wide open panel this week. Finally, after like, I don't even know, seven months of quarantine and phoning people up one at a time, we're just going to have everybody in together. We got a few things to tackle this week. Even though comedy is like 90% shut down, there's still a lot of stuff going on right now to talk about. Uh, on the line, we've got Tyler Morrison, of course, who joined us last year of, of the Cottage Country Comedy Festival. Among, among other things. How are you doing, Tyler? I'm doing good, thanks. How are you, Dean? I'm good, buddy. There's a couple of topics on here that I thought specifically we wanted to pick your brain about. Uh, Bill Burr, of course, is the one making the making the most news right now in the last few days, so we're going to get into that. But, of course, we've also got friend of the show, Kathleen McGee, out west. How are you doing, Kathleen? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I mean, I haven't talked to you guys. We haven't had you on the show since, obviously, you know, before before the covid when the entire comedy world kind of got turned upside down and everything changed, we probably had you guys both on last season. What have you, before we jump into the topics, what have you guys been up to during all this? What's sort of keeping you guys busy when, you know, shows are kind of coming and going? Well, I uh, just returned 267 empties. Uh, <laughs> 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 that was, that was, uh, yeah. That's going to be a good day for my daughter at show and tell. 
<laughs> there you go. Well, Kathleen, you're out. I mean, out west, stuff's opened up a lot earlier than it did here. I mean, I, yeah, I, reopen and I, I, I always kind of feel a bit guilty, but 2020 has been a really good year for me. <laughs> like, it's been like, like personally, it's been good, but like, uh, career-wise, I've been working since May, like almost consistently, and like, I mean, Alberta's been open for so long. And all the clubs have been open, really small crowds and stuff. But I've been, like, touring, and it's I feel kind of guilty because I'm, like, I know I have friends that are in Ontario that have done, like, two spots since this whole thing started. But I I don't know. I'm loving Alberta right now. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. They have comic clubs open in Edmonton. They have a hockey bubble in Edmonton. They have all the best stuff there. Yeah, Edmonton's kind of been uh, bumping through this whole pandemic. It's like yeah. a weird. It's Edmonton the was the last thing. place I played before COVID, and I should have just stayed. You should have stayed out here. You should have stayed out here. Just abandon my family. Just stick around. Yeah, just leave Alberta's, Alberta's where it's at right now. I, I get what you mean, though. I mean, I'm in the same boat. In the restaurant side of things, I picked up two brand new ones during this, and then like 90% of the people I know are like completely out of work. So you. You don't know. I mean, you never know what the, how this thing's going to play out and where it's going to go next. And we're going to get into that later on with live shows and festivals, too, because a lot of the stuff that's coming back is coming back, of course, online. JFL went completely online. It's all digital. So a lot of people are adapting to that. First thing I wanted to pick your brains on, though, sort of the most current thing this week. Uh, of course, SNL has been coming back with a live audience again. They're doing the show again. Bill Burr hosted. And, of course, his opening monologue is getting him in a lot of hot water, which he he completely said was going to happen. He says that during the monologue. What, what do you guys think about this whole, he kind of picks apart cancel culture in it. I mean, SNL, you know, they used to get people like Pryor and Carlin and, and other comics to open the show for that reason. They wanted people who were going to tackle what's going on in the world right now and sort of pull no punches. Now we're stuck in the polar opposite of that right now. Yeah, I think that SNL is a big, big, like, uh, part of cancel culture. I don't think, like, I I don't think that anyone takes chances on that show anymore. And um, when they fired, I can't, I'm sorry, I can't remember his name right now. Shane Gillis. Yeah, when they fired him, I think that was a huge mistake because he would have brought a different perspective. Like, they only have one perspective right now, and it's a very liberal perspective. Not that Shane Gillis is, like, a huge conservative, but at least he's a bit, like, darker a bit edgier and like Saturday Night Live just doesn't have that so when they have Bill Burr who is a very edgy comedian on of course people like lose their minds but it wasn't even like that edgy of a set it wasn't even that good of a set that's the best part and people still lost their minds just because it was Bill Burr that's the thing I mean SNL I mean maybe it's just maybe it's dragged on for too long I don't know but it still sees itself as such like this water cooler show that is that that tackles exactly what's going on in the world and is current. And it used to be that. And I mean, it used to, it, you know, it's 1130 at night. It's live on a Saturday. It used to be the show where you'd watch comics do exactly that and pick apart what's happening in the world and say things without any sort of a filter on it. And now it's, it's sort of the complete opposite of it. It's a very safe um, corporate entity. And a guy like Shane Gillis, you know, they, they went back and they, you know, they they've kind of vetted him after the fact, or they let the public vet him instead of, you know, just seeing what would happen with him on the show. Obviously, a guy is not going to be able to get on that show and do 
racially charged comedy the way that you would expect it to happen, um, you know, in like a live comedy club or whatever. So, or on a podcast, they're going to, they're going to be able to, you know, there's censors and stuff at that show. So I think that, that it was more of, uh, you know, them kowtowing to the public and, and their sponsors. And, and that's just what you get a watered down product when you're starting to, you know, when you, when you listen only to, uh, you know, the woke people on Twitter and the sponsors get scared because of that, that woke mob. Which is the, which I think is the problem. And it goes way beyond that too. It's like, you know, we live in this age now where everything's online and yes, everybody has a voice, but does that mean we're supposed to listen and kowtow to everybody's voice? You know, it's like the, the, the handful yeah, of people on Twitter biggest, that are like, that's, that's the biggest mistake of social media is that everyone has a voice now. Honestly, I think yeah. And that everybody thinks that their voice is equally valuable and it should be heard as much. And like, I mean, yes, be kind and yes, be good to people and don't try to mean to hurt people. But like comedy needs to be able to like dissect the the painful stuff in life. And and I think if you water it down, you're going to get Saturday Night Live the way it is now. And it's almost unwatchable now. Like I used to be a big Saturday Night Live fan even just a few years ago. But I've been watching and I'm like, I can't even finish a whole thing because it's just so bland and boring. I, I agree. I was always a religious diehard SNL fanatic, you know, I always followed it. They always have their slump periods and then the great cast come in and the great writers come in, but I always was a complete SNL loyalist up until I would say the 40th season. And I wrote this whole piece about them in the guardian. After that, I trailed off because now you're absolutely right. It feels like I'm watching like Nickelodeon or something. I feel like, you know, everybody's allowed to be offended. You're allowed to be offended. 20 years. <laughs> That's exactly why. I mean, you know, you're allowed to be offended, but I think on the flip side, people that doesn't necessarily mean people need to do anything about that either. People need to realize not everything was made for you. Not everything yes. is going to be your take and your flavor, and that's fine, but that doesn't mean you get to wipe it out. Well, comedy is a reflection of what's happening in society, and if the majority of people in society are acting like dweebs, they're going to get offended when they're being made fun of. <laughs> so stop acting like dweebs. <laughs> that's a good that's a good enough point that I need to go to commercial with. We're gonna come back with the panel with more Tyler and Kathleen right here on Inside Joke. Hey, this is Roddy Colmer. And Jay Brody. And you are listening to Inside Jokes on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to Inside Jokes right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto and, of course, streaming coast-to-coast, Canada-wide on the Global News Radio Network. We're back to the panel. We're back to the comedy roundup. This week on the show, we've got Tyler Morrison and Kathleen McGee. Uh, Before the break, we were weighing in on this whole ridiculous, fake controversy of Bill Burr hosting SNL. Uh, You guys were saying before the break, I mean, how SNL really has become this sort of it's a mirror of just what the call and response is on social media. So it's become this sort of watered down, safe, happy place. It's like, it's like, it's like the, it's become like the bare naked ladies of, of comedy shows. I feel like, you know, yeah, you don't, if you look at bands, bare naked ladies are like rappy for big people. Post Steven Page uh, going crazy with Coke. Post that. You know what? Exactly. They got rid of the only guy that made them a rock band in the slightest way. 
You get rid of the cocaine guy, and then you've got chicken from China. That's it, and that's what <laughs> that's what SNL is. Because you're, I mean, you're way you're more people. Oh no, that chicken, you know. <laughs> that's what it feels like you're watching. I mean, it. I mean, you made a great great point before the break, Kathleen. I mean, comedy. The whole point of comedy, the whole thing that the gig is supposed to be about, is taking sometimes the most difficult stuff in the world, sometimes the worst stuff going on in the news and in society. And bringing that into the spotlight, you know, giving that an autopsy right there on stage, because then you kind of you make people relate to it. You find the funny in it and you also take the power out of it. And people are so afraid to even bother tiptoeing anywhere near that right now because of the response it's going to get. Exactly. There's like it's not that, that comics are scared, but it's just like not worth it. It's not yeah. worth it to push the envelope right now, because if you do guaranteed someone's going to get mad and someone's going to say something to you. I mean, it's good for me. I don't really have a career to cancel. Not that I'm going over the edge or anything, but I mean, it's never been a better time to be an unknown comic because I guess you can just do whatever you want because they can't really cancel you out of a, uh, a non-existent comedy career. <laughs> All we lose is yeah. followers and fake Facebook friends and none of that's real anyway. Yeah, that's exactly. the thing. I mean, I, I, that's the thing I always wonder is like, you know, at what point did we allow this allow this punishment to be an actual sort of punishment and what's the what's the worst risk of that i mean that's that's the thing is somewhere along the line all of these voices and all of this whole like sort of false outrage that goes on on social media was given enough power that people are now scared of it and that it actually has consequences but but why did we even let that happen in the first place i think it just felt great to be able to see something that you didn't like uh get in trouble but I think that uh, cancel culture has now hit this peak where now it's just like every single week we're supposed to cancel someone new. And at this point, most people are like rolling their eyes whenever they're like, because even when people were saying cancel Bill Burr, people were like, oh, my gosh, be quiet. Like, this is yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. Like, we're, we're not canceling. We cancel people like Harvey Weinstein and we cancel people that like are literal monsters. But let's not cancel somebody that made a mistake 20 years ago or said something that didn't come across the way that it should have come across. Like people need to be able to make mistakes in every facet of life, not just in comedy. And going back into somebody's life 20 years ago and being like, well, this one time I, I heard that that person said the N-word. Well, yeah, they probably made a big mistake. But if they yeah. can't learn from it and grow from it, then we're never going to get better. Yeah, I mean, and it's about that is uh, you see how like, you know, it it used to be the right wing that were the oppressors on free speech. And now it's it's totally shifted over to the left winger now, the oppressors, and they've become the people that they fought against for so long. And it's it's two different extremes. And one's just taken on the values of the other, except for the fact that when, you know, right wing um, political correctness, it was, you know, kind of. Uh, based out of like Christianity, and so the one thing the left uh, has now with cancel culture is they they don't have that Christian value to forgive, and no one should be allowed to be forgiven anymore for doing yeah. something that maybe is considered faux pas. And I think that that's uh, a big part of this cancel culture is you know they don't want you to ever work again, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, it's once awful. you're canceled, it's you're not allowed to make a living anymore. <laughs> you like the, to, you know, and, and they don't no, no apology is real. So, like, if or to them, it's not good enough. They want you to apologize, but they don't want to accept your apology. Yeah, the yeah. Just moves on to yeah. the next person, and your village is burned to the ground. So, how is that any better than what that person did? It, it totally is. I mean, it's, livelihood. It is. It's absolutely this this group think that everybody's lumped into, and I mean, 
social justice warriors. I mean, that's the most casual misuse of the word warrior I've ever heard. <laughs> there's, there's nothing Don't more. Me your, your meme is your sword. I mean, there's nothing warrior-like about hiding behind Twitter and doing, I mean, that's exactly it. It's this sort of, you know, it's swung around so much that they became exactly what, like you said, what they would have rallied against before in the first place. And also well, COVID the, is enough of a cancel culture for comics right now anyways. Yeah, well, and super, super woke culture is just like, they, they talk about empathy and being empathetic of people's choices, except for if they don't agree with those choices, then they have zero empathy and they have zero, you know, they're not willing to, to educate people to get them to get better. They just cancel them. They're, you're done. We're, you're off yeah. of this planet now. And it's like, you, you people need to just relax. I think that like, you know, if we got, uh, legalized year, a couple of years ago, we should have gotten you know cooler, but we've gotten way more upset, and it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, shouldn't all of this? Oh, sorry. Well, I think cancel culture can end if everyone starts thinking of the word canceled. If when they say it in their head, they say it like canceled. <laughs> <laughs> if everyone says it like that, I think we can defeat it. <laughs> for, for the I mean, record, nobody nobody has canceled Bill Burr. He hasn't lost any money because of this SNL thing. All it did was gain publicity, but I understand the topic here. It's like it's pretty ridiculous that we actually had to make light of it because he had a set that people didn't agree with. Yeah, and I mean, also exactly. it's sort of like, you know, buyer beware. It's Bill Burr. Of course, he's going to go on on SNL and do a monologue where he's going to tackle right. some uncomfortable. Do you think he's going to be talking about his, you know, kids and airline peanuts? I mean, it's Bill Burr. It's like. It's like when Ricky Gervais hosts the Golden Globes and every year they bring it back and every year they're like, oh, he really, he really pushed the envelope there. Yeah. I like know, but how dare, him for. how dare a straight white male make fun of privileged white women? Like that was yeah, the best. Yeah, yeah. It was mostly yeah. a lot of these white women being like, how dare you as a man say that about me? But I'm like, he's, he's right. Like everything that he's saying is so right. There's so many of these privileged white women that are like trying to be this beacon of of like you know morality and change yeah uh, like sort of like being ridiculous yeah they're sort of doing that white knight thing for a lot of people and and you know then you've got people standing up be like actually i didn't really ask you to do that and you really don't actually represent me and i think another i mean another crazy sort of side effect of all this is i mean you would think that movements like this which are should be about moving things forward and you know making the future better and making the current better but it's gone so deep that we're we're sort of we're trying to rewrite history now and cancel things that already happened. I mean, he talks in his monologue about people going back to like an old John Wayne interview. People go back to like books and songs and albums from 40, 50, 60 years ago. Yeah, that's art that was a product of its time. And I mean, yeah. if you look at stuff we do now, 20 years from now, you're probably going to go, whoa, I can't believe we were doing that. That's just how time works. You can't you can't change yeah. that at all. Yeah, if you go back and look at 90s movies, I'm horrified by some of them. Like, that I watched them, like, holy, there was a lot of, like, rape references and things like that that, like, you didn't even notice. But you're right. Like, in about 20 years, people are going to look at what we're doing now and be like, they're crazy. Oh, my God. They were yeah, I mean, you sincere. You're so insincere. It's all talk. It's no action. The same people that are going back trying to get the Confederate flag taken off the Dukes of Hazard car, they're going to be nowhere to be found this next election when they got the chance to stop the real orange racist machine. So it's, yeah. you know, yeah, exactly. It's a bunch yeah, of, it is, I mean, you know, you look at 10 years ago, even look at the, like the first hangover movie. I don't think paging Dr. would be, <laughs> you probably wouldn't be paging Dr. F word now. Right. I mean, it's totally. just, 
But, it's, yeah, but you just had to say time. F word. As if it's funny in the context that you know you're not supposed to say that. Yeah. Everyone's, it's implied that that's a bad, you know, it's implied that, you, that that is a bad word to say. And it's kind of funny because someone said it when you're not supposed to. The more that you demonize certain words and things like that, the more it makes it, you know, kind of risky to, to even tackle a topic. The fact that, you know, a word within the right context cannot be used and people are tiptoeing around it. That's the first thing about, you know, with, with oppression is, is making people second guess themselves when it comes to language. Exactly. It can be used to hurt as well, but I mean, in comedy, we have to be able to explore these areas and and to to mine them for humor. And the jokes that don't work, they they fail. You know. Exactly. So I like Bill Burr, who's kind of untouchable because he he has his own thing. He he has his own fans. He really can't be stopped other than than by law. Um, when he's when he's getting that backlash, it's different. Uh, because it sets a precedent. It's different because it's Bill Burr and he can't really be hurt by it. But the people underneath, like the Shane Gillises, they're getting stopped before they get started. And that's yeah. dangerous. And then I see it filter down to open mics and comedy. And now you'll never get the next Bill Burr because, you know, kids are getting stopped at open mics. They're getting blacklisted. It's it's just a weird, weird thing that has seeped into our culture right from the top down to the bottom. And the gatekeepers of the industry in comedy and entertainment, they have a – I think that they've failed us to a degree by, you know, by rewarding cancel culture. Yeah, I think so too. And also, I mean, are we really going to pretend that we live in this in this climate where everybody can can confidently say that if you dug them up, there's no – they've never made mistakes. They've never – All of your private exactly. conversations public right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Like, Tell me you haven't said or done something that is off off the rails, you know? And, Absolutely. And are humans supposed to be perfect? And since when are we not supposed to ever have our feelings hurt? Like, that's the thing is, like, people get, like, they think that they, their lives should be perfect now. Everybody thinks that they should be walking through and no one should ever say anything mean to them or they should never oh, get yeah. affected by anything. And it's like, no, that's not the way the world works. <laughs> and if we feel like that, then we're just going to become, like, these people that can't deal with anything painful, and it's it's not good. China it's not good. Going it's, to the, kill the, us. Yeah, the world's <laughs> going to be a much a much more difficult place. It's absolutely true. With whatever yeah. these sort of fake parameters are that they're setting up, or whatever this idea of society is. Uh, okay, I want to. We're gonna we're gonna move over to some more of the stuff going on in comedy this week. We're gonna come back with more of our panel with Tyler and Kathleen right here on Inside Joe. Hey, this is Carmen Lynch, and you're listening to Inside Jokes. Where am I? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. What condition my condition was in? All right, welcome back to Inside Jokes, right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Brought to you, of course, by Hakeem Optical. Even if you're sitting in the back row, it's probably fine. Of course, there isn't really a back row right now, unless you happen to live in Alberta, like Kathleen McGee does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in Ontario, there's not really a back row. We, of course, have Tyler Morrison and Kathleen McGee on the line. Uh, we pulled apart the whole Bill Burr fake controversy SNL monologue before the break. Now I want to switch gears a bit. Uh, of course, we're it, it's all over Canada. The situation is different with live comedy happening or not happening again. Of course, Kathleen, you mentioned earlier in the show, out in Alberta, you guys have been open back up for a while. The clubs are happening. Live shows are happening. Here in Ontario, it's kind of a little bit comes back and then it gets pulled away again. It sort of goes with the flow of what's happening. 
But, of course, this year, Just for Laughs didn't happen. It's the biggest comedy festival on the planet. It's, of course, the biggest comedy event on the Canadian calendar every year. So instead, this fall, they pushed it back, and the whole thing went digital. The whole thing streamed online. And I'm curious to pick your brains, both as comics who have been at this a long time, and, of course, Tyler, you also have the Cottage Country Comedy Festival. Do you guys think this is just sort of a byproduct of because of what we're stuck in right now? Or do you guys think this is the way comedy is going to sort of look moving forward, even once all this dust has settled? I mean, I, I hope it's going to be a bit of both. Just, I hope that Just Last just isn't one big Zoom festival going forward because Zoom comedy yeah. for me was very painful. I didn't enjoy it at all. Um, <laughs> yeah. It was terrible. But uh, no, I think I think that it's cool that they adapted this year. But I hope that once this is like, I hope that this doesn't become a digital comedy festival. Isn't I mean, it's not yeah. for me. I hope I don't. But I, I mean, there are still festivals that are going like Edmonton Comedy Festival just happened last weekend here. And I'm doing Winnipeg on Friday. They're doing the gala tapings and there still will be, it'll be half capacity, but there'll still be people in, in the crowd. Yeah. So, I mean, they're still kind of happening. But again, it depends on where they are, which is, it's kind of funny. Sorry to Toronto comics and everything that like, because Toronto was the center of the universe for Canadian comedy for so long. And now it's like the places that were so kind of like, uh, put off by Toronto or just kind of like brushed away they're now kind of the epicenter of comedy right now and um it's it's a weird thing like I've I've been in a bunch of different Canadian cities and now it's kind of weird to see like cities like Edmonton and Calgary like booming in the comedy thing right now yeah it is true and you're totally right it has sort of shifted focus because everything was all about like every few years you'd see every other scene in the country sort of drain itself into Toronto and everybody would work their way up through Ottawa or Montreal or Vancouver or Halifax and then end up to Toronto. That was always the hub. And maybe that's the thing. Maybe that's not, maybe that's not going to be the way of it anymore. I don't think it will be mostly because you don't have to live in Toronto to get stuff. Like it used to be before, you know, social media and YouTube and stuff like that. You had to be in Toronto for the people that did the hiring to see you, but people are getting hired for writing shows off of Twitter. People are getting, you can live anywhere. And the reason why I love living out West is because there's so much paid work out here compared to Ontario. And like, you know, like I, I even moved from Vancouver. It was too expensive. And I moved back to Edmonton and I'm glad I did because I can fly from anywhere from Edmonton and I can drive almost all over Western Canada from Edmonton. So it's just been this, like, it's kind of been a, a cool thing. And I, I mean, like, I'm not trying to be like, I told you so, but I told you so you guys, <laughs> it's not that bad. We're pretty great. It's totally true. And I mean, even Toronto, right. So like, I, I've been fortunate that, you know, I've been able to make my career also not living in the city and, and people told me, I don't know how many years ago it would have been, I guess like 15 years ago that I'd never be able to do it by not living in the city. And I, I think I've done just fine by, by not being there. And, you know, it's nice that, you know, I can still drive to Toronto, but I can fly anywhere I want and do whatever, you know what I mean? It's, yeah, Tyler, you're a perfect example of that. And so is like someone like Kelly Taylor who lives in mm-hmm. Prince Albert, Saskatchewan. He's probably one of the most financially successful comedians in Canada. Oh yeah. And he works more than any Toronto comic that I know. And he of lives course. in Prince Albert, Saskatchewan. It, it's yeah. totally true. I mean, there's there's sort of this idea that you have to come here because it's the hub and all the auditions and all that stuff is here, which partially, yes, that's true. 
but it's also super oversaturated. There's and there's X amount of club spots. And there's you know there's only so many live shows that you could produce at Comedy Bar and hope to build an audience in a place where people are already going there. I mean, Tyler, absolutely, you're one of the best examples of that because if you would have tried to launch a festival here in Toronto, I don't think it would it would be the same thing at all. You, I don't think you'd be doing those CBC galas and those tapings and all that stuff. Whereas with Cottage Country, you're up there doing your own thing. You carved out your own piece of land and you're bringing something to people that they don't have access to otherwise. And I think, you know, Toronto was, was just so flooded with mics and so flooded with people making an attempt at comedy. Maybe this will be like the Spanish flu for open mics in this city. I don't know. <laughs> no, there'll be, there's a lot of termites and cockroaches <laughs> that pop right back up. But <laughs> I, think, I think one thing that has been, and I mean, you know, we've been talking to a lot of comics here in Canada about this and in the States and elsewhere too. I mean, about this whole, yeah, the Zoom shows are uncomfortable and the live stream shows are just sort of something people are kind of doing sometimes out of desperation right now during this. But I think when we come back around from this eventually, Maybe it'll be like a hybrid of both. But I think one thing that has been a good side effect of all this is Canadian comics, because we've been so isolated here, we aren't going and working in the States and American comics aren't coming up here and and booking weekends at clubs. I think we've had this sort of newfound appreciation for each other's comedy and for Canadian comedy again, and just sort of for like figuring out our own audience and our own voice, because we're all sort of just stuck trying to figure out a way how to work here again. Yeah, I think there's not as much of an emphasis on Canadians trying to make it in the States right now. You're trying to figure out how can you make it. Um, you know, you, you still want to have a, a global brand using the Internet. And how do you make money from that? And then, you know, yeah, when, you know, concentrate on your own backyard and how you can build something here that works for you, right? Yeah, the border closing has been, I think, one of the best things to happen for Canadian comedians. Although I, I heard a rumor, and I'm not going to say where it's from, but that, that that there is a company that approached the Canadian government saying that American comics were essential workers and needed to be flown over the border, which I find hilarious. Oh, my God. It just shows us how much the Canadian industry doesn't give a fee, whatever, about Canadian comedians. And I think I it's so great that they are now forced to use us it's amazing we're being forceful and we're doing great yeah every every comic that's been coming through is has been killing it has been great and all we're all getting these opportunities that we should have been getting for years and um you know i think it's going to make canadian comics even stronger in the end and um i hope that the border stays closed until next year i don't care if the border opens ever again <laughs> honestly i feel i feel i feel the same not just for safety's sake but also yeah for the for the industry because you're, to- you're totally right and i mean yeah it's absurd because before you know the biggest thing going on in co- in canadian comedy before covid was this whole fight of even trying to get comedy recognized as a canadian art form and get funding and all that stuff in a country where that's one of our that's like our biggest cultural export is comedy that's what we do that's who we pump out into the universe half of american comedy entertainment comes from Canadian soil, really, if you go right down to it, and yet we don't recognize it here ourselves. So, I mean, yeah, having that sealed off just because it is what it is has been a good thing for us to just sort of be this incubator again and appreciate our own. And Schitt's Creek sweeping the Emmys is just another example, you know, of like, look, you guys, if we actually work on it, we can produce some amazing stuff here. And there are so many people that are just sitting at home waiting for an opportunity. And if they start using us, who knows what, what can come of it. Like it could be just like the UK and have their own like style of comedy. British comedy is a thing. 
So, yeah. you know, I think that this is a to produce our own stuff though. Like we can't rely on our industry. Our industry's failed us with, you know, everything that's gone on. There's just so, so it's been so convenient for them to just buy American shows and and distribute them as opposed to building something homegrown, right? Yeah. So it's, you know, we have to use everything that's in front of us, which is our phones and our computers and, and our you know, get our own cameras and create our own product because now we have the access to put it out to everyone as opposed to um, sitting there and waiting for, you know, the golden ticket from the industry, which doesn't really exist or is only exists for a few people, right? Yeah, guys, absolutely. Just get back to JFL. Just get back to JFL. The numbers came in this week. They had over 5.3 million minutes of entertainment, over 500,000 of viewers clicking into the site. They had over 88,000 hours of viewing of people logging in. And you want to know what the highest number of attendance was for what room or what comedian? Kevin Hart and the LOL Network. Was that so just for laughs? Yeah, this is that just for last. All the comics that uh, performed, there was uh, 352 performers. But mm-hmm. having Kevin Hart on the label, on the brand, with his LOL network, the majority, 90% of them were returning festival goers, 23% of, uh, of them were new uh, kind of new customers to JFL. But the highest grossing was Kevin Hart and his LOL network. I guess it was broke off into individual rooms. You can click on to what room you wanted to watch, what comedians were performing in that room or in that bubble, essentially, and you can stream it off from your computer. So that was it. Yeah, Kevin Hart's a pretty big deal. He's huge. And he's also, <laughs> I mean, one thing to point out for him, too, these last few years that he's really partnered up with JFL is he's been really good to Canadian comics. I mean, he's gone in there and given people stage time and greenlit more stuff than, you know, the Canadian industry ever does. So he sort of did oh, yeah. become the saving grace for a lot of Canadian comics. We're going to come back with more Tyler and Kathleen, more of the panel right here on Inside Jokes. Hi, my name is Elvira Kurt, and you are listening to Inside Jokes on 640. It's the first time I haven't been interrupted. Welcome back to more Inside Jokes right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And of course, you can stream us coast to coast. Canada-wide and, in fact, worldwide if you have the internet on the Global News Radio Network. We're talking to Tyler Morrison and Kathleen McGee. And actually, Kathleen, before the break, you brought up, you know, we're talking about how sort of, not that COVID's been good for anybody, but one side effect of this, because we're sealed off, our borders are closed, Canadian comics are just trying to find ways to get back to work again here in front of our own audiences. We're sort of getting this renewed appreciation for our own. And I think, I mean, you're in a unique spot. I think even if COVID wasn't going on, Alberta in itself is kind of the last bastion of the old school way of the road dog. I mean, even in Ontario, we don't really have that. In Alberta, you can go back and forth between Edmonton and Calgary and play the clubs and play the indie rooms, which all, think about this Ontario, they pay the comics to tell jokes. That's unheard of. (laughs) And then you can hit the road and there's like an actual circuit. There's small town gigs and casino gigs and there's regular routines that people go and do this roadmap that doesn't really happen here in Ontario anymore. Well, and I think that like road dogs are kind of not as like, look, they don't, they kind of look down on, but I, I personally am loved that I'm a road dog. I feel like I can do really well in almost every room. I've been like 
I've done some of the worst gigs and some of the best gigs on the road. And it, like, that's all good things. If, if you're constantly just performing in front of your same crowds and they're loving every single thing you say, how are you going to know if what you're really saying is actually truly funny? You know, like yeah. if it's just your fans all the time. So that's what I've always loved about doing road gigs is like, you know, sometimes you're battling, like you are battling for a crowd and mm-hmm. uh, it just, all my favorite comics uh, are road dogs or were road dogs at one point. So, yeah, like yeah, I, I, I totally do think we do fall into that here. Yeah. Sorry, sorry to cut you off there. If you're if you're developing a special or an album, that's a product that you want to go universal. So, why do you not want to perform, you know, in every different corner that you can of the world, or at least in your own country, go as far as you can to to see if that material relates here because sometimes it won't and and then you figure out why and then you try and create a more universal product so it's not narrowed out to just playing for your own neighborhood you know it's about reaching a global audience and and uh, creating a product that at the end of the day can you know make you popular worldwide I think it's totally true and I mean in Toronto I think we do fall into that trap a lot where you have you know you have these sort of like local cult hit shows even that happen at like bad dog or comedy bar or wherever it happens to be and you have that same audience that comes back every week and your your fans or your fellow comics and all that stuff you're in sort of this comfortable warm happy place you're slipping into a warm bath every sunday night or whatever day of the week but then you go out there into the world and it's like well oh man i've never really floated this stuff out there at all you sort of yeah never leave that yeah. comfort zone but a good a good point you brought up before the break too kathleen is sort of you know talking about Canadian comedy and Canadian audiences sort of consuming our own content again and watching our own Shit's Creek. I mean, absolutely. And the show has been around for a few years already, but absolutely blew up stateside this year, swept up the Emmys. It's on Netflix and it's, it's built a huge following in the States. I mean, well, even Dan Levy did, Dan Levy did say like, thank you for giving us a chance for not canceling us after the first two seasons when we weren't, getting that many viewers for let for seeing something and letting us grow because i think that's a big problem in all of the entertainment industry is they give a show a year and if it doesn't if they don't find these millions of viewers right away then they just kind of like ah, okay next one but if you watch the first season of seinfeld it's kind of terrible <laughs> like it's yeah really really bad yeah. and like most tv shows need like a year or two to find their footing and just like get better and and that's like if you watch this creek the first few seasons are okay and then they figure it out and it's amazing mm-hmm. it's totally true i mean you need that time to find your voice and find your footing i'm sure if either of you guys went back and looked at some of your starting out set lists you'd it'd probably be cringe pretty cringeworthy <laughs> for you because you need that time to sort of find who you are and find what your voice is and he's absolutely right this show so easily could have you know, it's like sea turtles. Like most of them don't make it. This show could have just been wiped out, and for whatever reason, it wasn't. And now here well, we I are. It helps that it was like Eugene Levy, Catherine O'Hara, like that. They yeah. had yeah. It, which was great. Which, which they is didn't what have that clout. You, you always hear that from people when you pitch something in Canada. Like, well, you need some sort of big name. Like, I guess if you look at something like Corner Gas, Brett Butt wasn't really a big name, and he kind of made a name for himself. And same yeah. with the cast of Letter Kenny. That's another example of like. Well, there weren't really any names in that show, but it was still successful. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, Alex and Kathleen McGee, thank you so much to both of you guys. Uh, before we wrap up the panel here, where can people check out some of your albums, some of your online stuff, and what you guys have been working on during this strange, half-productive year? Unless, of course, you live in Alberta, right, Kathleen? <laughs> 
I'm so awful. Everyone's going to be like, she's evil. <laughs> Too much fun in 2020. But, um, I mean, like, my album, Deliciously Vulgar, is uh, out there on Spotify and, like, Apple Music. And if you if you want to just put it on mute and play it 24 hours a day, I'd appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> and then I've been doing a podcast with my favorite comedian, Sean LaComber. It's called Dead Baby Bear. And I love doing it. And I, I'm... It's funny. It's really, really funny and fun. And we do talk about stuff that we always are saying, well, we're lucky we're not successful because someone would try to cancel us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. And Tyler, what's what's been going on with Cottage Country? And uh, of course, you got albums out there to, to float. Yeah, lots of good stuff. Uh, so Cottage Country Comedy Festival, we also have a label called Cottage Comedy Digital. And we produce comedy albums and specials with comedians across Canada and some stuff with American comics as well. But you can check all that out at cottagecomedy.com. And we have all of our albums available for streaming. And uh, you can check them out. Right, Just go to that site. And uh, all my stand-up albums and specials are on there as well. My latest one, Too Soon, it's available free on the site and through YouTube. So, yeah, check all that out. And my podcast, Fight Stories. You can also uh, check that out on YouTube or Apple Music, all the, you know, anywhere you get a podcast. So season three will be coming very soon. Beauty. Thanks so much, you guys. Uh, I could do this all day. Honestly, we'll have to do this again with you guys both. We've <laughs> solved cool. all of comedy's problems for this week. Tyler and Kathleen, thank you again. We'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you. And that's our show. That is our panel. Thank you again for Tyler Morrison and Kathleen McGee. Check out their albums. Check out their podcasts. Check them out online. And don't forget, you can listen to all of our shows from Season 5 right back to the beginning on Global News Online. That's our show. We'll be back next week. Hi, this is Alicia Carusi, and you're listening to my aunt, Sandra Carusi's Comedy Rx. This week featuring Tyler Morrison. None of these jokes are sexist, by the way, all right? I got a wife and two daughters. I'm not a sexist. I'm a survivalist. In fact, if you don't laugh at these jokes, three women starve. Who's the sexist now, Toronto? (laughs) I love those girls so much. Everything I do is for them. I want them to have an amazing life. Everything I do is so it can be great. I just want them to know where it came from, okay? I just want them to know where it came from. Like one day, I just want to be like, oh, little Madeline, check it out. It's a Barbie dream house. Compliments of five Chris Brown jokes on daddy's first album. Oh, and I didn't forget about you, little Aubrey. It's a Wonder Woman tricycle with gold tassels. Compliments of five dead hooker jokes on Daddy's new special. I just can't wait for the day my wife comes running into the room. Kids, did you hear Daddy's new rape joke? We're going to Disneyland!